Hey, my name is JC Thompson. I'm the family pastor here at Brookwood Church, and I'm so thankful that you have joined me today as we finish our series entitled Lit. Now, honestly, it makes me a little sad. This is the last uh, week of our series, uh, and we've been talking about the uh, Christian perspective, our, our worldview, and how we view technology in the midst of that. Now, last week, we talked about uh, how technology impacts our relationship with others. This week, we'll actually be talking about how technology impacts our mission or our outreach to others who may not be followers of Christ. Now, we've been trying to define technology quite broadly in this series as uh, not just smartphones or social media or things that we see as maybe communication or electronic devices, but really anything, any tool that we can create or use to make our lives better is how we've been defining technology in this series. So if you've got your outline, maybe you even printed one out so that you can still uh, feel comfortable filling them out, or maybe you're just following along, or maybe you're just sitting on your couch and you're ready for the point. Uh, either way, I'm, I'm thankful that you're joining us and connecting in this way. So our first point today would just be that technology uh, impacts our mission by multiplying my influence. Technology uh, influences my mission by multiplying my influence. Now we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 28. We're gonna start in verses 18 and 19, which just says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, the goal of a Christian is to glorify God in all that we do. One of the ways that we can do that is by going to make disciples of all nations. Now, technology gives us an incredible opportunity to communicate the gospel, not just to the people that I'm physically connected to, but to anyone around the world. And just this week, I sat down with Mike Heppela and Gene Beckner, and we had a conversation about how Mike connects with his partners, both internationally and domestically. You can actually find that conversation on our Brookwood Church Facebook page under the videos tab. Mike was sharing how he could see examples of uh, communities affected by natural disaster or completion of projects that some of his mission partners have been working on instantaneously in real time through FaceTime or any other video communications technology. I thought it was wonderful to know that Brookwood is able to connect with our mission partners in this way and know what's happening right then and there. And it makes me wonder how difficult international missions must have been uh, partnering with someone in the U.S. who may be in Africa or in India or the Dominican Republic uh, as you don't have the ways to see things just as quickly as they're happening. And it made me thankful for technology's impact today. Technology can also impact you personally in how you perform your job, and specifically in a couple of ways. And I'll, I'll use the illustration of head, uh, heart, and hands. Technology can improve uh, the way that we think, the uh, ability to have knowledge and understanding about a particular subject. In fact, you can use the internet or apps to help you memorize scripture, to think uh, critically about a complex issue, and ultimately to learn. In fact, it's been uh, wonderful to see my, my, my son who's doing e-learning online and to see all the ways that he can improve uh, his ability to learn and understand things through the use of technology. Uh, we can also understand uh, how technology impacts our heart. Things like songs, stories, all created through wonderful technology can really move us emotionally. I think about pictures of things, maybe pieces of art, or even landscapes that I may never be able to see in person, 
but it can still move me to wonder in awe at God's creation as I'm able to see those through uh, maybe the internet or pictures that someone is sharing with me. Uh, technology also affects our hands, uh, our skill set, and being able to do our job better. Uh, and one industry that's an example of this is the agricultural industry. Uh, things like the cotton gin or the combine harvester, even things like shovels or pickaxes or pitchforks, all pieces of technology that have allowed farmers to do their job more effectively and sometimes more efficiently. See, all industries have these innovations where technology makes a significant difference. And I'm so thankful that we can do our jobs better and more productively, which is one hallmark of someone who's a follower of Jesus, that we work hard and we work well because it's a testimony to how much uh, we, we've been given responsibility over as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, technology is not only a way that we can improve at our jobs, but it's also a way that we can increase our knowledge and understanding of God, also increase our compassion for other people as we learn and understand some of the things that they may go through. But here's a question I've got for you. Are you using technology in this way? Are you using technology to get better at something that could really make you more effective, not just more effective at your job, which could result in more pay or uh, more authority at your job, but also in a way that uh, at, wants people to ask the question, why are you working so hard? Or why, why, want, why do you have this desire to get so much better at your job? See, this is one way that we can increase our influence. And after all that, when people bring those questions to us, we can share with them the love of Jesus Christ that we have and how he's completely changed us and made us new. Another way that technology impacts our impacts my mission is by mistaking scale for success. By scale here, now I, I just mean a large group of people, or not just an individual that's in front of you, but but think just bigger. Uh, technology gives us the temptation that things must be bigger, uh, and and if you're not bigger, you're not successful. Uh, Matthew twenty eight continues in this way baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. Now, you can see how someone could take the verse in 18 where Jesus says that uh, he wants them to go into all the earth, making disciples of all nations. You can see how that can give you a temptation to go fast. How, how can we just go? How can we go faster? How can we go more broadly? But these, this passage, this particular command that Jesus gives his disciples to baptize them and to teach them all that Jesus commanded them to do should cause us to slow down in our process and not just think about how far we can go, but ask ourselves how deeply we can go with the people that are in front of us. Teaching someone how to follow Jesus is a slow and a long process. It doesn't happen instantaneously. Now, I was talking to my son, Cannon, the other day. He's almost eight years old. He had a friend who had just gotten some chickens, some baby chickens, and he was telling me how quickly they had learned how to walk. Uh, when I told him that it took him almost two years to learn how to walk, but it only took these chickens a few weeks, he was shocked. Now, if you're a parent, you know that teaching the teaching process is a long one. It is one that takes a significant amount of time. And a child who seems like learning these skills like walking, eating, being able to put on their own clothes, even teaching them to put their pants on one leg at a time, takes a significant amount of time and investment. 
Now, that doesn't mean that your children are bad at learning. In fact, before the age of five, a child will learn 90% of what they will learn over their entire lifetime. Skills that will never need to be repeated or coached again, they will learn. So it's not that they're not learning. It just seems like these processes take a significant amount of time. The same thing with learning to be a follower of Jesus. You must be willing to spend time to grow yourself and also be willing to spend time to help someone else grow in their relationship with Jesus. This long and slow process of learning to be like Jesus and obeying all that he's commanded you to do is what we call discipleship. And that is one of the measures of maturity as a Christian, or if you want to say success as a follower of Christ is maturity. But see, there's a temptation to only fulfill one portion of the, the mission that Jesus Christ gave his disciples as he was about to leave the earth. And that's just the go portion, to go into all the nations. But I, I think it's important for us to understand it's not just about getting our message out to everyone. It's not just about speaking the gospel to people. It's about teaching them to follow Jesus so that they can influence the others that are in their life. Now, this temptation is not just one that we feel as followers of Christ when it comes to grow our mission and our impact. It's one everyone feels. In fact, I hear middle schoolers all the time speaking about how many followers someone has or doesn't have on social media. We look down on people on social media if they've only got 100 or 200 followers. But to influence one person in a deep and meaningful way is way more effective and successful than someone who influences thousands, hundreds of thousands, or even millions in a shallow way. These influencers with hundreds of thousands of followers, they tell you where to spend your money, they tell you where to spend your time, and they tell you how you should even feel about yourselves. All of this without even knowing who you actually are. Now, we know that inherently, bigger does not always mean better. In fact, it's why parents are always aware of the amount of people in their child's classroom because we want our child to have individual care. Now, I think it's interesting, though, that at the same time we know those things are important when it comes to our education and our learning in the primary years of life as children are growing up. We tend to forget that when we get older. See, Jesus urges us to look for the lost sheep when he told the parable of the lost sheep. He left 99 sheep in order to leave the one. Now, in our capitalist society and here in America, that seems like a horrible investment of time, a horrible investment of money. In fact, you've probably heard this recently when it even comes to the coronavirus, that, you know what, some people are just going to die. And the frustrating part is that each of those individuals not only should matter to Jesus, and they do, they should also matter to us. Now, when it comes to shame and honor, the culture that Jesus probably would have been teaching in in that day, looking for that one sheep was the most honorable thing that the shepherd could have done for his master, for the one who employs him. And for us, it's the same way. We want to know that those people that are in our influence, that we have the ability to teach and love on and care for and minister to, they matter to us. So for, for me, you might be worried about how many followers you have on social media. In fact, that might be something that you're trying to actively grow. But the challenge that I would ask you to ask yourself is just how many of those followers do you know? And not only that, but how many of those followers actually know you in a personal way? See, success for the Christian is based on comprehension 
and growth and maturity. So don't believe the lie that technology offers to you, that things should be easier, faster, and bigger in order to truly be successful. Let me ask you this. Is bigger and faster a temptation that you uh, seem to succumb to in your own life? Is that something that you struggle with? I'd like you to take a moment just now and ask God about what he thinks of your ambition. Technology also impacts my mission by misdirecting my efforts. Misdirecting my efforts. Now, I'm going to go to 2 Peter chapter 1 for this, but I think it's important for us to hear this. This may be a passage of Scripture that you've heard uh, lots of times before, but I, I want to make sure that we cover it today. In view of all this, in, in chapter 1 of, of 2 Peter, basically Peter is laying out all the things that are true for us as followers of Jesus Christ, that our sins are forgiven, that we've been uh, indwelled by the Spirit, that we're loved by God. In view of all this, in view of all those promises, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now listen to this. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think it's important for us to see that Peter is laying out for us in this chapter and in this section of Scripture where our efforts should lie. See, as a follower of Jesus, we should exert effort in following him, in learning to obey his commands, in looking at my life and seeing if there's any way that is not in alignment with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you look at this passage, you see some areas in which you should direct your effort. You should direct your effort with your morals, with your knowledge of God and the gospel and your knowledge of yourself, with self-control, your ability to endure things that are difficult. You should also take uh, intentional time and effort to develop your character and your integrity. See, all of this effort in those particular areas develops productivity, and usefulness for us as followers of Jesus Christ, meaning that when we share, when we do our work, all of those things bring glory to God and it produces more fruit in our lives and possibly draws those who may have no connection or relationship with Jesus. It draws them closer to Him. Now, we also know that there's a temptation to misdirect our efforts and technology exacerbates this for us. Now, you might misdirect your efforts for a number of different ways when it comes to being able to share your faith. Maybe it's insensitivity to the needs of others. Now, uh, do, you ask, do you ask people questions to discover more about themselves and their stories and possibly the ways in which Jesus could be the answer to the situation that they're dealing with? Or are you more concerned about what you have to say to another person? We also might fear rejection. You might be afraid that if you slip up or say the wrong thing or take too much time in explaining or don't do things in the right way that that person might reject you and never want to hear about you or Jesus Christ again. Now, technology exacerbates these hesitations by shielding our hearts from the things that we really need to be aware of, the, the things that cause us not to trust in God first and foremost and not the reactions or opinions of others or that 
our heart is not being formed in the way to feel compassionate or loving towards another human being, but instead is stuck in a selfish attitude, uh, looking to our needs ahead of others. We could also spend way more time researching a subject than actually participating in it or practicing in it in order to improve. We do this with things like Bible study, with things like prayer, or even sharing the story of Jesus with someone else. In fact, maybe you're out there and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I've taken weeks or months to find the, the best Bible reading plan or the, the best Bible translation. And for me, I think your time would be more uh, effectively spent if you just read the Bible and you just spent time asking God to show you through His Spirit what that Scripture means for your life and how you can apply the truths of Scripture to your everyday life and actions. Now, I think the same thing happens with projects at our home. You know, I'm, I'm blessed with both a father and a father-in-law who are wonderfully equipped to handle things mechanically or engineering. If things break, they can fix them. Now, I was not blessed with that ability, although I have wonderful people that I can learn from. Now, one of the things that we do and we're blessed with is lots and lots of YouTube videos that can teach us how to do things. But, you know, I, I had this instance the other day. My family, we're growing a garden now in the midst of of quarantine, I'm getting lots of opportunity to walk every day and, and see and, and enjoy the growth that's happening in the garden. But I FaceTimed my dad and I showed him what I was doing. One, to just say, you know, Dad, I love you and I'm thankful for the time you've invested in me, but also to just get some advice. You know, my dad grew up with, with his dad and his mom. And they, were, they were farmers. And so my dad could look at the seedlings that I had in the ground that hadn't even developed the proper leaves that they'll end up identifying themselves with later. And my dad could tell me every single one of those plants. And he could even tell me the ones that hadn't sprouted yet as I was sharing, hey, I've got some peppers and they're not coming up. They don't seem to be doing well. You know, he shared with me that, hey, son, you need to exercise a little bit of patience because peppers take a longer time to sprout from the ground and they need to actually be uh, involved in more warm weather. Now, could a video have taught me that? Probably. Could it have done it in the fast and efficient way that FaceTime and my dad did? No. And not only that, but I got to spend time with my dad, sharing a moment as I'm getting to do something that he grew up doing, kind of uh, extending the family uh, legacy of gardening. Now, that was a, a unique moment for me, but I wonder how many other people in our life that we miss out on opportunities to grow in relationship with and lean on their expertise uh, as they have things that they can share with us about these projects in our home, about ways that we can think about Scripture, about opportunities to share the gospel with others. You know, a friend of mine would always tell me this as I tried to do one of these things that he was gifted at by myself. He would always say, you're robbing me of a blessing. And I wonder if we rob people of blessings because we don't take the time to ask them for help or ask them for advice. You know, if we only read books or watched videos on how to do some of these practices, all of which are wonderful and fruitful things, I wonder how many opportunities we miss out on to develop the relationships around us with the people who truly are experts in their field. See, the disciples went through this process with Jesus. One of my favorite things to do is to see the interactions between the disciples and Jesus and as they learned on the job with Jesus, as they did ministry in real time with Jesus Christ, they had questions that came out of their time with him. Here's just a few that I wrote down as I was perusing scripture for some of these. 
uh, one, they asked, why could we not cast them out as Jesus had commissioned them to go cast out demons and heal people in his name? They also asked, who then can be saved? If, if not this person, then who can be saved at all? They also asked, as they came a man, upon a man who had been born blind, they asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his parents' sin or his own sin? And then as Jesus was being arrested, uh, they asked him, Lord, should we fight? We brought the sores. All of these questions to me, are incredible insights to people who are learning to follow Jesus, directing their efforts on how they can more completely understand who Jesus is and what that means for their life. See, what's, what's also incredible to me is the patience that Jesus exercises with his disciples. See, Jesus, who's the Savior of the world, who is God himself, who's taken on human flesh, who condescended, as Scripture said, to be a human being like us, doesn't get frustrated at the questions, doesn't shake his head at, at how blockheaded these disciples could, see, could seem sometimes, but instead he patiently instructs them and coaches them on how to be a more effective disciple of Jesus. See, learning to be a disciple of Jesus takes practice, and it takes practice over a period of time. We have to make sure that we exert our effort into becoming an effective disciple of Jesus. Becoming a mature disciple of Christ will not happen by accident. It will happen by determined effort on our part to be changed and transformed by the Holy Spirit through an effort to develop Christ-like character. See, my mentor would tell me all the time, JC, somebody let you sorry all over them before you got good. Now, I don't know that I'm good, but I do know that uh, I've had years of practice. I'm thankful for the time that I've been able to spend in children's ministry and in student ministry. To be honest, they're much more difficult a crowd to teach than adults. They will ask me questions that I may not know the answer to. Or sometimes, rather than listen to what I'm saying, they will look at their neighbor and have a completely... A, a completely uh, crazy, oblivious conversation to the message. We're talking about Scripture. But I had to learn to be engaging. I had to learn to communicate in a way that gets people to pay attention and also ask themselves insightful questions. And no matter how good I get, if my efforts aren't empowered by the Spirit of God, it won't matter a bit. So I exert my effort to get better at my craft, to get better at my job, to become a more effective communicator, not just in my skill set, but also in my heart and my devotion to Christ. And I pray and depend on Christ's Spirit to truly make all these words that are written down on a page, presented to you on a video camera, to give you something that benefits your life. And so my prayer again today is that Jesus would use these words, that his spirit would enliven these things in your heart and cause you to think differently about him and yourself. See, Jesus did this with his disciples and he does the same thing with us. We can learn from Jesus today. We can do that by reading the scriptures. We can do that by having conversations with other followers of Jesus. And we can do that by growing in our affection and our understanding of who God is. See, don't trust that the phone, the television, the internet, YouTube can teach you better than the people that are around you. Technology can cause you to place more of your time and energy into things that ultimately may not matter when it comes to being an effective follower of Jesus. And they may remove you from doing the long, hard work of 
personal relationships, investing in the people who are closest to you. Let me ask you this question. Are you willing to practice the long, hard work of sharing Jesus Christ with those around you? Are you willing to take long, hard conversations with people and help them see the beauty of the gospel that they may not see in their own lives? Are we willing to wade into areas that may be difficult as our friends or family may be contemplating things like divorce or uh, changing jobs or home situations, leaving the church or possibly doing, uh, making a decision that would impact not only themselves but those around them? Are we willing to invest in those conversations so that people can truly understand Jesus and ultimately be helped and saved by Him? Now, I've really thoroughly enjoyed this series on technology. I just want to leave you with a couple more things in this series. First of all, I hope that this conversation, this series has been helpful to you. We've done a couple videos to help this conversation go further in practical application. You can find those on the Brookwood Church Facebook page under the videos tab, as we mentioned earlier. But I also want to share a hesitation that I have. See, sometimes we'll offer you tools and, and tips and strategies on improving your life with technology. Uh, how to, uh, you know, if you only use your phone or the internet for this long, then that's the most effective way. And the reality is, is uh, the metrics, the observations that scientists and researchers make change all the time. In fact, one small way that this has happened is screen time used to be the thing that we were most aware of uh, with our children. Uh, but now that's changing. It's not actually the amount of time uh, screen time that the kids are using, but it's actually the way in which they use that screen. Is it educational? Is it community forming? In other words, are they doing something on their own? Or are they doing it with their family or their friends? That seems to be having a more positive effect on the brain development of a child rather than just looking at how much time they're spending. Now, I say that to, to just let you know that uh, this is changing. And so some of the tips and strategies that you may want may look different two, three, seven years from now. In fact, it may look different two months from now with the way technology advances. But I do want to point out some resources that I think are helpful for you when it comes to conversations around technology and your family and also for you personally. One of the books that I absolutely love and I think is incredibly beneficial for families is called The Tech Wise Family. It's written by a guy named Andy Crouch and he gives what he calls the Ten Commandments of Technology for the Crouch Family. I think it's a wonderful book uh, for you if you lead a family, if you're a mom or a dad trying to have this conversation with your children. Uh, in fact, if you've got teenagers, I'd recommend reading this book with them and allowing them to talk about some of the things that they may struggle with. You know, it's interesting to me because I, th I think teenagers actually know more and feel maybe a little more nervous or guilty or shameful about their technology use than even their parents do. So I think that's a wonderful opportunity to have a conversation with your family. Another book that I'd recommend to you is called The 12 Ways That Your Phone Is Changing You. That's all about your individual smartphone use and how it can be something that you can look at and may not even realize that it is changing the way that you think. Uh, things like your attention span, things like the, the, the things that you strive for in your own life, uh, and ultimately could be dulling the relationships around you. That's by Tony Rinke. Now, I hope that you're encouraged to use these tools really in a way that honors Christ and that these are available to help you improve your witness and your influence. But like we talked about earlier, the best thing to do is to practice. If you 
feel something, if you recognize something, or if someone has shared something with you that may be a misuse of technology, it would do you well to take some time and think about, is this person telling me the truth? And what can I do to change those things? And experiment, practice. I, I've got a friend who literally puts his phone to bed every night in a matchbox uh, type thing. He slides it out, puts it in, shuts the thing inside of a cabinet, and won't pick his phone up uh, until after he's done all of his most important tasks in the morning. Now, to some of you, that may seem crazy. And to others of you, you may think, that's an experiment that I'm willing to try. But for me, uh, I think it's important that you understand technology offers us tremendous benefits. Things that allow us to share the gospel with people we'd never be able to come in physical contact with. Uh, it allows us to learn from people all around the world. But there are also significant trade-offs that we can make in technology. And so we've got to be both aware of the benefits and also the risks that technology presents to us. But most importantly for me, I want you to understand that for some of you, technology may be an idol. It may be the thing that you think about all the time, that if I can just find a way to do this better or faster or more efficiently, then all my problems will be solved, that I'll, I'll get exactly what I want in life. And my friends, that is uh, the idolatry that technology tempts us towards. Lastly, as we continue to experience this environment that we're in, brought on by the coronavirus of isolation and disconnection from one another physically, I just want to pray. I want to pray for all of us that we would spend more time with God and less time on our devices. What a temptation to find a new series or a new movie that we can spend hours and hours investing in. Rather, we could spend that time investing into our relationship with God or we can spend that time investing in our relationship with others. And so I want to pray for you as you continue to do social distancing over the next few weeks um, hopefully, maybe it's coming to a close, but if not, I, I think it's good for us to feel this tension that we feel in our hearts that it may be creating anxiety in us. Don't allow that feeling to pass. Don't stuff it down. Don't hide your heart from it, but invest in that feeling and figure out why am I feeling this way? God, why do I feel so anxious? Why am I so worried? Why must I go out? and buy something that I truly don't need. Why do I feel this way? I also pray that this situation that we're in, I hope and I pray that it has made you more aware of your need for Jesus. You can feel your heart being unsettled. And maybe you don't know the solution to that, but I can point you to him. His name is Jesus, and he's given his life for you. So uh, if that's you, if, if you're someone who loves Jesus, um, and you need some prayer, man, tell us in the comments. Uh, if you're someone who would like to follow Jesus or at least like to explore more about him, I'd like you to put help me in the comments so some of our volunteers can have a personal conversation with you. If you're watching this on our website, you can click the Connect With Us tab and someone will have a private conversation with you, helping you take a step in your relationship with Jesus. I love you guys. I can't wait till we get back to physically gathering again. But until then, let me pray for you and pray that God would change you and transform you into the likeness and the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I love you. And I am so thankful that 
even though for me it feels weird and awkward to be talking to a camera right now, somehow, God, you can take my words and use them for the people who are listening. And they may be watching this on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday or Thursday or Friday, but whenever they watch it, God, I I pray and I ask, God, that you'll speak to them. They may be struggling with feeling alone, uh, specifically feelings of loneliness, maybe even abandonment. God, I, I pray that there might be some who are just feeling so anxious that they need to do and go and be, but instead they're having to sit and be still. And God, I pray for those of us who are worried about if the economy will recover or those who have a family member or a friend or maybe even themselves who are sick with this virus. God, I pray and ask for you to be with these people, to speak to them truthfully and honestly and to reveal who you are to their heart. I pray for those who are around the world who may not have the benefit of a government who is supporting them or the benefit of a healthcare system that can truly provide care for them in this moment. I pray, God, that you would heal them physically. I pray also that you would provide them spiritual insight into where their soul might be. God, for those of us who uh, have the ability to minister and influence others, God, allow us to grow in our ability to do that. Allow us to make intentional effort into growing more like you so that we can reach others for Jesus. We love you so much, and we're so thankful that you love us. Remind us this week of your love for us. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. Hope to see you soon. Hey, Brookwood family, my name is Josh Masters. I'm one of the pastors here at Brookwood Church, and I wanna thank you for joining us for our online service. We also want to encourage you to visit our website for all the latest ways that you can serve, keep connected, and stay social while we're separated from this pandemic. You can also download the Brookwood Church app, and that's a great way to keep up to date on what's happening and find the daily readings that are connected and go with today's service. If you'd like to join Brookwood in caring for others by bringing the gospel into our homes, into the community, and even into the world now, We would love to have you do that. You can give by going to our website, by using the Brookwood Church app, or if you'd like, you can use the mailing address that's on your screen right now. We want you to know that the Brookwood Church staff and the pastors are still here. We're working hard remotely to support and serve our Brookwood family and our community. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can use our phone number or you can use our email address. Now, we want to remind you, if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like our Facebook page if you haven't already done so. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and hit that bell so that you don't miss any of our future videos. Remember, we are still the church. We're the church no matter where we meet, when we meet, or how we meet. So let's keep building one another up. Thanks for being part of our service, and we'll see you next time.